If, if you're a visitor with us this morning, we do give you a very warm welcome. Uh, but also, we sort of give you a wee explanation of where we are. We're preaching because um, way back in September 2022, we decided we would work our way through, well, I decided we would walk out, work our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And so we've been doing that for the last, I think, 16, 17 months now. And, and there's 28 chapters in Matthew. And so I'm determined to see it through. We're halfway through it. And the second thing I'm determined to do is to never ask anybody, have you had enough of Matthew? Because I'm afraid what people might say. So, uh, so we, we weren't our way through. And so what we did last Sunday, we started in chapter 15. And all the way through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has opposition from the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the day who don't believe he's the Messiah, they don't believe he's the Son of God, and so at every point and turn, they're challenging every word that he's saying and stuff. And in the earlier chapter, it had given us their intention that they wanted to see him die. And, and obviously, they, they will get that wish, as we know, at the end of Matthew, not because they have wished it, but because it was God's plan that Jesus would go to the cross to save each and every one of us. And so the beginning of chapter 15, uh, Jesus has spent 10 verses challenging the Pharisees. And now these are what you would describe as the big guns. They've come down from Jerusalem. They're the main men. They've come down to challenge what Jesus uh, has been saying, has been teaching, and they're trying to catch him out. And now what has happened here in the first 10 verses is they've criticized Jesus' disciples because they've eaten bread without washing their hands. Now, all good mothers, grandmothers will say, that's rightly so. They will say, that's good practice, right? That's wash their hands before they eat. But it has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with pleasing God. We should wash our hands before we eat. I honestly don't think God cares whether we wash our hands before he has nothing to do with that. And so what Jesus does is he does this. He says, listen, you lot are more interested in keeping the traditions that you have made up rather than the commandments of God. Because what they had done, they had, they had created a loophole in the honour your father and mother commandment, which meant they could get out of looking after their moms and dads. And so what Jesus does is answer their accusation and say, hey, you're more concerned with keeping the tradition than you are with keeping God's command. And the three things we'd really come to the conclusion of is that we have to be careful that tradition doesn't become all important. Uh, some tradition is good and we must keep that. The breaking of bread that heaven has just led us in is a good tradition. The preaching of the word is a good tradition. Gathering together to worship as a church is a good tradition. There are other traditions that aren't necessarily good. And we looked at those last week, those man-made ones that were put in place. And the problem is with the Pharisees, their traditions had put others off having any access to God. It had stopped them getting to God because they literally looked at it and said, it's impossible to keep all the rules. It's impossible to keep all these laws. So we have to be careful that tradition had become all important, but also that the tradition 
doesn't negate the commandments. It was the commandment that was important, not the tradition. They had made the tradition important at the expense of the commandment. It was keeping God's commandments that were important because we know that the commandment of loving the Lord your God but loving your neighbour as yourself, which is what so many of the commandments are tied in, was important. But they weren't looking at that and seeing that. And the other problem is that tradition can often create hypocrites. It can create people who want to look good externally but there's nothing happening on the inside God hasn't done a work on the inside so a hypocrite is somebody who's pretending to be somebody they're not that really sums up the Pharisees they thought that they were meeting God's rules and laws they thought they were the righteousness uh, of what God expected and they weren't they were just rule keepers but nothing had happened internally with them. So that gives you an introduction of the first 10 verses. And these are the next 10 verses. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen, understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, excuse me, and then out of the body? But the heart somewhere <laughs> Paul if you could I think I've lost that there mate but I read but the heart right let me pick that up verse 18 but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony, slander, these are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Jesus is always dealing with the heart of the matter. This is why he has come. He's challenging the religious teachers and the Pharisees, but Jesus has come to deal with what really is the main problem. And the main problem is who we blame for everything that ever goes wrong. Who we blame when we do the wrong thing, when we sin, because the question that people have is what causes us to sin? You see, people today like to blame their environment. They like to say, it's where I'm living. You know, it's a temptation that's all around me. You know, that's what causes me to sin. We don't blame it on other people. We like to turn around and say, if only there were people around me who were of a good influence. Maybe if I just had better friends. Maybe if I just had somebody who was a good influence on me. Uh, maybe we blame it on our upbringing. Well, I can't help it. It's the way I was brought up. It, it, that, if I hadn't been brought up like this, then you know, that would be the, the issue. We don't blame it on the devil. We tend to blame everyone else, don't we? We, we have a saying here in church. Uh, well, we have a saying here in the church office. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, you just need to find a person to blame. <laughs> Which is usually Ben. But anyway, <laughs> not usually Ben. But as we say that, but that's, that's why life is sometimes, isn't it? It's not my fault. And Jesus comes and he always gets to the root of the matter of the problem. The, the, what actually is the wrong thing for each and every one of us. 
And he says, called the heart. And he'd already mentioned it last week because when we talk about the heart, the heart in the Bible is the place that is described as where our emotions, desires, and choices are made. Jesus has already mentioned the heart several times in Matthew. See, when we think of the heart, we think it's that that gives us a feeling towards doing something. It is terrible Christian advice for you to say to somebody, just follow your heart. I'll explain why, because it's a complete disaster when you look at what's happening in the heart. But actually, the heart is a place where our decisions, our motives, our intentions, our desires are all laid out. And Jesus, or through Matthew, has already mentioned the heart. In Matthew 5, verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There's something to do with what's happening internally with us, not externally. Matthew 5 verse 28, he challenges the listeners, he says, but I tell you that anyone looks at a woman lustfully who's already committed adultery with her in his heart. The idea that actually, well, it's our eyes that are the problem. Our eyes aren't the problem. It's the desires of our heart. When King David goes out onto his rooftop one night and he's supposed to be off fighting a war, he sees Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop and his eyes linger too long. And when his eyes linger too long, it creates a desire where in his heart that causes him then to sin and to do all the things that he did wrong in that whole situation. And that's where the issue is because the issue is with the heart. And Jesus comes again in Matthew 6, verse 21. Uh, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, and you look at it and say, well, that's still as true today for, for us. Where our treasure is, what we, what we love to do, what we love to spend our time on, what, what, what we do with all of that stuff. He says, that's our treasure. That's where we find our heart as well. Uh, and then in Matthew 15, verse 8, uh, he says this. So we looked at this last week. He said, these people honour me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. You know, I, I, I'm good at this. I, I, I can preach a good word and I can pray a good word and I can say just the right thing that you need to hear. But it's all just lip service. And it's all, you might not know what's going on in the heart. And Jesus uses that. He challenges the Pharisees and he says this. He says, the hearts are far from me. And so the challenge that Jesus gives is to the heart, to what's going on internally to the Pharisees and to the teachers and to us. He said, the human heart in its natural condition is evil, treacherous and deceitful. Jeremiah writes in 17 verse 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Then he asks this great question, who can understand it? He says, well, I can't. Can you understand the heart? I mean, you know, do you ever do something and the first thing that comes into your head is, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Well, why, why have I done? Why did I say? Now, I'm not talking about before you were Christian. This is while you were Christian. I mean, this is, I've, you know, I've done something. I thought, well, why did I do that? I don't need other people to ask me that, though they will, and say, why did you do that? And it comes from this, who can understand the heart? And so Jesus is addressing the main problem. He says the human heart produced sin way back in the beginning. You know, Adam and Eve are given everything in the garden. They're told, listen, you can eat from anything in the garden, not that one tree there, nothing from that fruit there. What's the one thing that they wanted? They saw it, the desire was created, and then they took that. And that's been the problem from the beginning, isn't it? And it wasn't the problem with their eyes. The problem was with their heart. 
And Jesus is addressing the internal stuff because it's affected us at the deepest level, our mind, our emotions, our desires. And sometimes we're just blind to see how bad the problem is. And the Pharisees are representative of that, Matthew, because they just are blind to their actions, to their religion. And Jesus has constantly to open everybody's eyes. But he's dealing with the problem. And you see, what we must make clear here, when Jesus deals with the problem, this is not behaviour modification. As sometimes this goes around churches that we just want people to change their behaviour. It's not changed behaviour. It's not modifying the behaviour, stop doing something and start doing something, apply these principles and life will be good. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Everybody's heart needs a spiritual transplant. The old heart needs taken out and they're given a new heart by the power of God. And that's what it means. That's what Jesus says. That hasn't happened with the Pharisees. Nothing internally has made a difference. They think it's all external. Well, wash our hands before we eat the bread. That'll get us approved by God into heaven. And it won't. You know, and Jesus has come and he's sharing with the people another way. He's saying this and he's actually pointed out the fallen condition of our hearts when he says these words he says he says listen out of the heart comes evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander these are what defile a person you know if you if if you're going to commit a theft if you're going to steal something he said the simple action doesn't start at the moment you take something that doesn't belong to you or take something that you haven't paid for it begins with the desire where in the heart to start with that's the challenge there it says you've thought about it before you acted and and that's what stops us from stealing as well it's that's why everybody doesn't steal because that's what stops us but we see something and we think i would love that that gives me the desire there's something happening in here i've seen it with my eyes i can't afford it nobody's going to buy it for me but suddenly there is this desire that thinks there's nobody looking just in case you think I go around stealing things, I don't, but I'm just saying, you're all like, he seems to know an awful lot about this, like, eh? it just, uh, it just, somebody shared it with me, you know, he said, look at it and then take it and stuff, and, and that's the way that, that, that it works and stuff, and, and Jesus is describing our biggest problem, challenge to the Pharisees, your problem's not external, it's not what's on the outside, your problem's internal, it's to do with the heart, and how true is that still of today? You see, in order for a person to be saved, the heart must be changed. This only happens by the power of God in response to faith. I mean, when the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, he says this, he says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And some believers struggle with this idea of asking Jesus into their heart. I actually think it's the best place for them. When I've described what our hearts are really like, that's the sort of place I want him to live you know, that's not so, because that's where my choices, motives, uh, things that I think wrong, things that I, I thought, well, if I say this or do this, uh, no, I shouldn't do that. That's where the best place for him to live, because it clearly says here, it's not enough just to say Jesus is Lord. But actually, it's got to be about believing in your heart where the, the desires, the emotions, the motives, the intentions of everything that you do is there. 
So Jesus explains this here and he just simply says, listen, whether we like it or not, the heart is the source of all evil action and the words that they speak really contain who people are. And, and he's just simply saying that, listen, it's not what's around you that is the problem. It's what's within you. And what everybody needs is not behavior modification. The Pharisees don't need their behavior modificated. They need that spiritual transplant that Jesus is coming to bring. He's going to the cross so we can be forgiven of our sin, which is the deep-rooted problem of mankind. It always has been and it always will be. There's only one remedy for it. The remedy is the cross of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't come to change our behavior. You know, what it does, it spiritually changes us. It's like a heart transplant where the old heart is taken out. It doesn't make us perfect, but the new heart is given. But it's a new heart where Jesus lives and it changes everything about us. It's why when we talk about church, you see, and I struggle with this, you know, when people, you know, we invite people to church, but, you know, we we want them to change before, you know, come in and, you know, don't do that before you come in. Do you know what I mean? If you just don't do it, listen, church is a place for people to change. We we bring them in and we give God the opportunity to change their lives. That's what happens because he can change the heart. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, you, and that's what we have to do as a church. Come and take a seat with the rest of us. We shouldn't expect people who are not Christians to come in changed. It doesn't make any sense, does it? We bring them in. They come under the power of God through the worship, the word they hear at the table, through the preaching of the word. And God doesn't need us to do anything other than what we're doing. He's the only one that saves them because he's changing the heart changing the internal part of us and not the external and and you see Jesus is not challenging people to keep rules and laws he's challenging people to, to discover what is the sort of people God wants us to be he's gathered the Pharisees around in the first 10 verses then what he's done he's got the people and he's explaining to them this is what I mean by what I'm saying you know and even then Peter's like he asked the right question he said I don't quite understand, can you explain it? Jesus turns around with sort of, are you so dull? I mean, sort of like, you know, you're thick, you know, you're not understanding what, what I'm saying. You know, Jesus has already offended the Pharisees because the, the people, the disciples, sorry, have said to him, you know, they're a wee bit upset. You know, trod on a few toes here. Do you know what I mean? These people are the religious law in the land and stuff. And, and, and we may use the modern phrase of no filter. That, that was Jesus. No filter. He's just coming and telling them. So people need to hear what's important. And he hasn't the time to, to always answer every question they have. So he's just sharing with them. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. When he says, I've already explained the parable before. Anything that God has not planted is just getting ripped off and thrown on the fire he's talking about the pharisees and the religious teachers he says because jesus is coming with a whole new way he's coming with a whole new way as we see all the way through the rest of matthew of what new life means by getting a new heart in the lives of people jesus was offering the cure for deep-seated impurity and depravity of the human heart you see the pharisees were offering it as well i mean our, our religious lives would be so much easier if all it was about was just washing hands, wouldn't it? I mean, I would take that any day. If I thought it could get me into heaven and court, I could get saved and stuff, if I just kept that law of washing my hands in the right way, 
and stuff. But Jesus has just said, that's not the issue. The issue is not the external. The issue is the internal. It's a heart that needs changed. And the Pharisees were never going to get that. They were never going to see that. Uh, and so Jesus speaks about these men. Uh, and he says to them, he, he describes it like this. They're like blind men leading blind men. They're like somebody who doesn't know where they're going, trying to take other people to a place where they think they're going. But how can they follow them if they don't know where they're going? I mean, if we were going on a long journey, the first thing you do is you find out who knows where they're going. Or in this, the modern age is who's got a sat-nav? Or who's got the wife next to them in the car? I could say that. I didn't say that in the first service, but I said now. He said, who's got the sat-nav? Who knows where they are going? That's the most important question, isn't it? You know, do you know where you're going? And Jesus describes it and says, well, these fat, they don't know where they're going. They're blind. But actually, these people are supposed to follow them. And if the blind follow the blind, nobody knows where they're going. What do they do when they come to a hole? Well, they fall in it, don't they? And it's just the obvious thing there. I mean, Jesus sees the people one day and he says, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And he's moved with compassion for them. And he says that because these people have not been led in the right way. The job of the Pharisees was to lead people compassionately, to love them, to care for them. And they haven't done that. They've just said to them, follow these rules, follow these laws. 647 of them there are. And, and it's impossible to keep them. And so, they had, so the people are just lost all. They, they just would never be able to do this. And this is where the issue has come because Jesus has challenged them and said, this is about the internal, not the external. So Jesus had said, well, listen, don't follow these people anymore. And if we have a modern day context here, and I'll bring this in now, is how do we know someone is a false teacher? We live in an incredible, resourceful Christian church world Social media brings everything to us in an instant, including sermons, teaching, absolutely everything. How do I know who the right person is to listen to? I mean, just because somebody says they're a Christian, just because of a line of a song says Jesus, just because a word of a book says God, do we automatically say, well, that, that I follow them? Uh, I could do that. How do we know someone is a false teacher? Because the Pharisees were false teachers. How do we know? Well, there are some principles we can do that, that we actually look at here. And the first thing we can do when we evaluate our teachers and our leaders is this, is we must consider more than what they say. We need to consider who they are. Because words are cheap. You can say all the right things. I mean, listen... An expert at it. When people say to me, preaching can be hard. Actually, it's not. You know why preaching is easy? Because I can speak here for half an hour. Nobody answers back. Nobody says a word. Even if they disagree with you, he says they're not going to say in, in a meeting like this. So people say, what a preacher. It's not. See, why? Because words sometimes are easy to say, aren't they? Uh, and actually, we look at it and say, they say all the right things and stuff. But it has to go beyond that. It has to be, are they preaching the right gospel and, and we look at it and say well there's only one gospel oh no 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 they said even even Paul writes to churches and says to them make sure they are not preaching another gospel it always has to be are they preaching Jesus are they preaching the cross 
because we have so much teaching sometimes and they don't mention of Jesus. Or I can sit somewhere and somebody will just pull out a Bible verse just to simply insert it into what they're saying so it gives it some sort of Christian spiritual credence. We don't want to do that. We've got to evaluate it by the words that people say, what they teach, but also how they live as well. So you're watching how they live. So they're not just standing up here and preaching to you and suddenly there's stuff in their life and lifestyle. Now, listen, nobody's perfect. We've said this when we did one Timothy. We shared this and said about perfection. Said there are no perfect leaders. Stop looking for them. There's no perfect churches. And if there are, the minute you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. So we have to understand that. So there are no perfect, but what there are, there are guidelines within scripture that help us evaluate our teachers and our leaders. So we judge them by the way they live. We judge them by the words that they say, but we judge them by their fruit as well. Because the Bible tells us that we're to judge a tree by its fruit. So we look at the fruit of the spirit in a person's life. We look at what God is doing in their life. We look at what is happening as well. We look at the words that they are preaching and teaching. This is where the Pharisees slipped up all the time. We see it when they kept the tradition but broke the commandment. We see it when they don't care for the people at all because the people can't keep the laws. You see, we should expect to see evidence of godliness, grace and love in a leader's life. We learn from them. We respect their authority in our lives. You know, if a preacher is always going on about one particular subject, I mean, money is a big thing, isn't it? I said, I've sat in places and people go on about money. And if you give us your money and listen, if, if you don't give me your money, I'm going to preach for another 40 minutes. And if I don't go, that's actually not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> I, if you, but but we, we've been in those situations, haven't we? Where there has been one message from a preacher. We've got to ask ourselves the question. It says, is this right? It says, are they preaching Jesus? And it could be any subject. It could be anything. But if it's a preacher's own subject, that's where it's wrong. That's where we've got to be careful who we're listening to and who we're following and, and, and what we're taking in. That's the danger. Because is it changing us internally? Is it changing us by the heart? The truth of it is this, and every church is going to be like this. Where the leader goes, the church goes. The blind leading the blind. Says, that's why the, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the people don't know where to go because the leaders don't know where to go. The people don't know where to go. The Pharisees don't know where to go. They think it's about washing their hands and they think it's about keeping the laws. Have the people no clue. Then Jesus comes and says, listen, it's not the external it's not what's going on on the outside. It's not the behavior modification. It's what Jesus is doing in somebody's heart that reflects out into their life. Uh, and that's why he's challenging the people here and saying this. No, there's no set of rules has the power to create any righteousness in life. You know, the law was given as a set of rules to, so it would shine a light on, on how bad we are in a sense because the law could never save us. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law by going to the cross and that's the only thing that can save us but then give us that spiritual transplant from an old heart to a new heart, from an old life to a new life. That's not behaviour modification. That's salvation by Christ. 
You see, the only thing that rules do is it just exposes how sinful we are. And Jesus did that. Jesus' challenge was always to the religious teachers. It wasn't to the people that were listening. He'd spoken to the crowd. Then he told the crowd about them. And he simply said this, I'm exposing what they're doing. They're the blind leading, blind, and, and you're trying to follow them. It won't lead you anywhere. Jesus is on a journey that we will see that takes him to the cross. And as he goes to the cross, he opens up the way of salvation for every single one of us. He gives righteousness to each and every one of us, not as something that we've earned. But most importantly, he changes us internally that is reflected externally. That people would know who we belong to, who we live for, how Jesus has given us a new heart. Uh, And that's the heart of what he came to do for you and for me. And that challenges us, doesn't it? I read this this week. Sometimes when you read a message, you're like, I thought, do I want to preach this because this is me? Because you can't stand up here and pretend I have a perfect heart. I don't. I absolutely don't. It says sometimes I, I think the wrong things. Sometimes those things come out as saying the wrong things. Sometimes I get hurt. And the desire is for revenge to get somebody back for what they've done for me. You see, and what happens is that change internally is what Jesus has done to help us, to give us a strength, not to make us perfect, but to understand actually we're changed from the inside out. That actually not just our lips honour him, but our hearts honour him as well in the decisions, the choices, and everything that we do as his people, as his church. And and that's where we are as we come to the end of verse 20. Jesus has scalped the Pharisees and the religious teachers, but he's told the people as well, stop looking at the external as the answer. It's not. It's the internal. It's a change that Jesus makes in a person's life. It's how he changes the heart, because it's reflected then in the desires, the choices, and everything else that he does. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Father, your word is always challenging to us. There are easier words to preach. But Father, we know your word by your spirit challenges us and changes us. And Father, we don't come today and ask for behaviour modification. We ask, Father God, and I pray this for me, Lord, that you would do work in my heart. that, That you would do the stuff that needs to be done within me. Lord, that by my choices and decisions and motives and intentions and desires would not just be lip service, but God, it would be a work that you've done in my heart. And Father, as we come today in each and every life, each and every person gathered in church today, Lord, though we don't know what's going on, you know what's going on. And Father, you're interested in every aspect of what's going on in their lives. More importantly, Lord, you're you're interested in their hearts. For you know that the change that has to be made is an internal one, not an external one. Not a stopping and starting something, but allowing your spirit to come in to do the work that needs to be done in each and every one of us to change us, to help us to become more like you 
in every decision we make, in every choice that is presented towards us. And Father, we just come today as, as, as your church. Father, I ask that you would do the work. Begin it in me, Lord. Change me, Father. Father, as, as we come, Lord, we, we thank you that you didn't send your son just to change our behaviour. Sent your son to save us, to take out our old hearts, to give us new hearts that lead to a new life, that lead to our wonderful change, that have led to us to have a hope for the future that we've sung about because there is power in the name of Jesus to change hearts, minds, lives and to give us Lord what, what, what we really need not, not what we want but to give us what we really need and Father for that today we say thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.